You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room, where we talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 108, where we're discussing Black Panther. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. Gentlemen, we're here at the Nerd Room table, which is also doubling as an MCU retrospective table as well. We're here to discuss Black Panther. And I gotta say, the hype is real. <laughs> this movie delivered. I can say without question at the top of this review episode that this movie absolutely delivered on everything that was promised by every critic, every fan, every person that saw this before the actual opening weekend. How are you guys feeling coming out of the theater? Hyped. Hyped as hell, man. <laughs> oh, dude, this, this film was just crazy. It left me so happy in so many different ways. Um, did not see this coming at all. You know, I, I just I couldn't, I couldn't fathom what I was going to get out of this film. And man, was I ever... Totally pleased with what I got out of this. Yeah, this far exceeded my expectations. I came in thinking like, okay, I've seen movies that have gotten high 90% reviews on Rotten Tomatoes that while I've liked them, I haven't liked them as much as you guys, like Thor Ragnarok, for example. This one here, I came in, I was like, okay, I don't know what to expect. And this thing far, far exceeded my expectations. Like, as I said, definitely, we'll get into like rankings and stuff later, but this is, wow, like... This is going to seem like a DC review because I'm just going to gush all over this film. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Wow is a great word to use because our boy Brad, he saw it opening night and he texted me just wow. That's it. And I said, I said, no spoilers, but how did you like it? He said, I can't, I can't talk about it. He says, I went in expecting an MCU film and just wow. And I think that that perfectly sums what this film is. And when you look at how well-developed these characters are, not only from Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther, but Michael B. Jordan's Eric Killmonger, the plot, the elements, Wakanda, everything here was just a shining example of how to construct a film. And before we get and do a deep dive into this, because we're going to do a full spoiler review from this point forward, that's kind of our gushing, hey, we loved it, go see it. <laughs> but we have to talk about the cast here first. I just got to lay it out here. This movie stars Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lapita Nyong'o, Daniel Kaluuya, <laughs> Latina Wright, Winston Duke, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, Andy Serkis, and Dania Garania. <laughs> I butchered all those names. And it's directed by Ryan Coogler. Now, interesting choice you know he doesn't have a big budget film behind him he's got two very good films in fruitville station and creed and they gave a lot of creative freedom did you see that in here oh 100 100 you know ryan cougar is great uh what he did with fruitville station is fantastic and i i love the whole rocky franchise as a whole but what he did with creed and how he revamped that series is just great and um the cool thing is is fruitville station i believe it takes place in oakland so it's kind of yep. cool that he, you know, transfers some of that essence into this film. He gets that world. Actually, I think he's even from Oakland itself. So, man, this director's really hands-on. He did some action that was pretty cool. And, you know, from this film, I've got a little bit of a Rocky, Bloodsport, James Bond, Lion King, Batman, all in one in this <laughs> film. I got it all in there. And, uh, man, hats off to this guy. He's definitely three for three, in my opinion. 
Oh yeah, like I haven't seen Creed yet, but when you watch Creed, I assume there's a lot of hand-to-hand combat, a lot of boxing fight. Yeah. And you got that in this movie with the uh, challenges and whatnot. <sighs> Love those. So, I mean, this felt like not like a very outlandish fight scene where you had like, for example, Superman and Zod and Man of Steel where it's like Dragon Ball Z kind of thing. This is more like hand-to-hand combat. So, and it worked so well, like the director fit with the character. He really got the character. He really knew, you know, it seemed like he probably was growing up or still is a fan of Black Panther. He was. Yeah, he came out right and said he's a fanboy just like us. He's reading these comics since he was a child. So he's able to transfer that fanboy, that essence of these characters into this film directly. Yes. And then you look too, there's a big message in this film or several big messages in this film. It's not heavy handed. He had a story to tell and he had a message to bring to a wider audience. And it's all embedded in there, I think, very, very nicely. And I think that's a testament to how he's able to craft and construct this film to not be so on the nose, on the head about what's going on, particularly in the United States right now. But he was able to bring those and convey those in a way that part of the film and part of the driving force behind Eric Killmonger's villain, very well-developed villain. So I like how he's able to pull all this together. And having Michael B. Jordan, a frequent contributor, or actually all three of his films now, has have Michael B. Jordan in it. And yeah. I'm hoping that if he does a number two here, we get to bring Michael B. back in some form because I can't see him not being in this franchise. Yeah, bring back the B, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> the B, I love it. I love it. Now, development-wise, this film was kind of rumored for a long time we go back all the way to 2004 when this film was first mentioned by marvel studios so you remember we go back when in the retrospective series when we go back and look at the early days of marvel studios before it actually kicked off before iron man even got funding they had to make a deal with merrill lynch and they said We'll take $500 million from you guys. We promise to make 10 films with these characters. And they offered all these characters up for collateral. Say, if you don't make the money, then we get these characters, whatever they want to do with them. So Black Panther was one on that list, along with Avengers, Cap, Cloak and Dagger, Doctor Strange, Hawkeye, Nick Fury, and a few others. So Black Panther has always been a priority, it seems, or maybe just one of the leftover characters at that point, (laughs) but always a priority for Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige. They've been talking about this film for a long time. Wesley Snipes had put his name... In the hat, in the early, well, of course he did, but yeah. <laughs> in the early 2000s, late 1990s, as wanting to do or play this role. They really waited on this one, though. You look all the way back to Iron Man in 2008. They got this project kind of rolling when they started to sow the seeds of this larger universe. You look at what they were able to do in Iron Man 2. There's a, there's a map in the background of that last scene that's got Wakanda on it. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, just when he's talking about the Avengers Initiative and all that. You go to... Captain America 1, the mention of Vibranium. Age of Ultron, you've got Claw and Vibranium and Wakanda actually outright mentioned. Civil War, you've got his first introduction. So they've been seeding this film since Iron Man 2. So since 2010, or at least the idea that this universe, that Wakanda exists within the MCU, which is pretty cool. This is, if you go back and look, this is probably at least, it's probably the longest they've actually seeded an idea in, in this whole universe, building into Wakanda, building into Black Panther. Yeah, I, I mean, apart from like the Infinity War yeah, gems itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Really, yeah, it is. Uh, I'll ask you two, because you guys read Marvel a lot more than I do. Um, as someone who doesn't really know too much about the character besides this movie, how important is he to the Marvel like c- comic universe? Because, I mean, coming into this movie, you know, you kind of know people like knew who Black Panther was. 
but you didn't really know as opposed to like spider-man like okay if you don't read comics you know who spider-man is even before the movies came out black panther i don't know too much about him until this movie came out is he a very important part like would you say he's top 10 heroes in marvel top 20 in the comics he's definitely a force to be reckoned with especially on an intellectual level i would say more so in the comics than he was in this film i believe you know especially yeah. being one of the founders of the illuminati yeah you know so i he's a pretty big deal in the comic books world if you go to african-american he's even a bigger deal because he's one of the first guys we had he wasn't he really he the is the first guy the first <laughs> yeah. mainstream african-american yeah. hero yeah wow. he was the first one to get his own title yeah, he's the first one to be featured in the Fantastic Four. He was became an Avenger. Yeah, so he's got a long history and legacy within Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. And then you translate that into present day comics. He's got a couple huge series right now going on. He's a big part of Hickman's run. If you remember reading that, right, as part of the Illuminati. And you're right, he's on the level of like an Tony Stark, Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. So he intellectually, I think, I think you're right. It's a good point. They don't really show that as much you know mm-hmm. he relies quite heavily on his sister yeah. for that portion of it which i think is really cool yes it's it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's a he's a big deal i would say he's he's your top tier character in the comic books right now and that's one of the things when they're developing this film that they had to think about a lot was how do we get this character out there how do we get our what i'm going to call b and c list characters to the general population yeah. not maybe so much to us but how do we get them out there properly how do you get Doc Strange out there? How do you get Black Panther, Ant-Man, so that you can carry on the legacy of this universe through Infinity War when you don't have Iron Man, Thor, or Captain America to rely on anymore? Now you've got a juggernaut in Black Panther. Yes. Absolutely. Like you've got a franchise now that's going to be carried on for a very long time with young actors, very willing people to contribute to this film universe. Now, just scooting back quickly to to Ryan Coogler when looking at the development of this film. So he came on in, I believe, January 2016. He came with a partner, and they both wrote this film. Now, do you think, from a writing perspective, that the last few directors that have taken shots at Marvel Films, they've come in with their unique brand and style, but they've also had a bit more creative freedom and a bit more of an isolated story to tell? Like you look at Ragnarok and Taika Waititi, you look at the Guardians films with James Gunn, yep. you look at Black Panther with Ryan Coogler. Now, the director wrote, in each one of those cases, wrote the script, as well as you had a relatively isolated story. So do you think that writer-directors are benefiting from having a story to tell that doesn't necessarily rely on all of the events going on, but just gives them a nice nod? We see a lot of great nods in this film. Everett Ross, the events of Civil War are quite heavily hinged on in this movie when it comes to the death of T'Chaka. We've got, you know, references to Winter Soldier, all this right throughout the film. So do you think Kukler had a a good forum to tell a story because it was slightly isolated? Yeah, I would say so, especially when it comes to bringing in the broader audience, you know, like... (laughs) Because this movie stands so well on its own, you got people like like my mom coming to this film. You got people like my younger brother that's not really into comic books. Like it brought such a diverse cast of people to see this event. Like when I saw this movie, man, the parking lot was packed. Like it was it was huge. The, the it was a sold out uh, showing completely. So um, they definitely did. I'd probably say the best job out of any Marvel movie bringing in a whole new audience into yeah. this film. Yeah, and I think that does come down to the writing and it being a standalone film, really. Yeah, I was really pleased to see that this didn't really have any. Uh, any ties to Infinity War and stuff like that. And it just stands on its own. And I think that makes the film more timeless. You can go back and you can watch this movie six months from now, a year from now. You don't have to remember, okay, what's going on with, you know, 
Captain America and Iron Man this. This is just its own solo film. It's in its own silo, and it fits so well in there. And I'm so happy to see that they did that, because before when we were talking about that, I was saying, no, they have to keep it separate. And I'm glad that they did. Not that they listened to me. Maybe they did. (laughs) I don't know. But I'm really glad that they went that way, and it really benefited, I think, from doing that. Yeah, you can walk into this with almost no prior knowledge to the MCU. You'll get a little confused to the post credit scene, but they do enough work to at least integrate the Civil War stuff without you even thinking that was part of another film. Yes, just could be like flashbacks. Exactly, and they kind of they tone it down so it's like a a, an off gray. Yeah, put a hue over it to tell you, okay, this is a flashback. And in reality, you didn't, you don't have to watch Civil War to watch this film. Yeah, this is very, very much a standalone film within a bigger universe. Yes, very, very well crafted, I have to say. It's funny going off of uh, Civil War because I was interested. I didn't know at the time of Civil War if. Black Panther's uh, powers were off of his suit, or mm-hmm. off of the fruit that he uh, that he ate. So I'm kind of cool that they, kind of glad they cleared that up. Yeah, watching mm-hmm. this film, you, you know now exactly. Yeah, where they power go sources. into all sorts of detail. Yeah. And the fact too, I see T'Chaka in the Black Panther suit. Too. Oh yeah, oh that's dope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Now Troy, you talked about your viewing. Yes. Initial reactions we kind of gone through. Of course, we all love this film. It seems, but everyone seem to love this film because we got news the other day or yesterday i guess that this film opened on the three-day weekend so we're talking friday or thursday night friday saturday sunday to 192 million dollars oh, which is unbelievable this movie was pegged at the highest end about 150 walking into the weekend well wow. earlier on in the year they're looking for around 90 to 100 million dollars so this thing almost doubled its initial prediction and almost did 50 million more than the highest estimates from the industry experts. Wow. <laughs> it's the appeal of this film alone to the masses is huge. The critical response it got is almost unprecedented. We're looking at like a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now the audience score is a little lower at 77%, yeah. but I don't know if this is a bunch of those black jobs trying to pull this down or not. Yeah, unfortunately I think it is. Yeah, um, so, because it's I don't see it. It it doesn't make any sense. I've never heard a single person say a negative word about this no. film. No. With no. The Last Jedi, there were some uh legitimate concerns with the film and people had legitimate gripes with the movie. Yeah. And so that made sense that the audience score and the critic score would be different. This one, I haven't seen any negative reviews. Like I haven't even read the negative reviews. I don't even know who said it and all the fans that I've talked to and seen on Twitter have loved it. So something must be awry. We yeah. Must there's something that's not quite aligned there. <laughs> little funny, but that $192 million and it's four day haul will be about two twenty or so, which Whoa. is what the last Jedi did in his three day opening weekend. That's unreal. If it, you, man, you would have made so much money if you made like a bet somehow. If you yeah. could say this, you know, Black <laughs> Panther's gonna be Troy. You know, if you still want to trade for Solo, I mean, look how good that trailer yeah. looks. Uh, I know it's a it's a good trailer. So, yeah, so to bring people on the loop here, we do have a fantasy box office pool that the three of us have done for this year, and Troy out of the gates yeah. took Black Panther. Actually, he had second pick and took Black Panther. Yeah. Sunday took Solo, which. Don't remind me. Which at the time is it's a good choice, yeah. but this movie is because it's highly overperforming. Oh, absolutely! And, but it's like it's unbelievable. It's I believe the fifth largest three day opening in history. Wow! Well, it is. It definitely is. It outgrossed Civil War. Wow! <laughs> it outgrossed Age of Ultron. Wow! And it's three day opening that's weekend. Insane. So it's only sitting behind in the MCU opening weekend, only behind Avengers. 
Unreal. Outgross Iron Man 3. Oh, everything. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get that movie yeah, off the list. Get that one out of there. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there a chance this outgrosses Infinity War? No. <laughs> you have both. What, <laughs> if Infinity, no. what if Infinity War, though, the critics are kind of mixed on it and gets like a. I don't see it. I'm not. I'm not. I, I've never seen the film. I'm not saying right. it's gonna, but let's play hypothetical here. Say Infinity War comes out and it's like, oh, you know, it's just okay. It's got like a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, you know, the thing is, they're going to market Infinity War from this day forward, probably much like they did with Justice League. Right. What they did with Wonder Woman. They pushed Wonder Woman more to the marketing. You're going to push Black Panther more. But it didn't help Justice League with more Wonder Woman. (laughs) That's true, (laughs) because they kind of gave up on the marketing towards there. But Infinity War is going to be just going to be gigantic. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be huge. And then they got Black Panther pushing even that much more. Well, and I said this to you. I said, look at their marketing already. They knew they had a feeling, at least, or an inkling that this was going to happen with Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. I keep pointing to you, Troy, because you have the Black Panther poster behind you. I'm pointing at you. So, yeah, I know you guys can't see me in podcasts, but I keep pointing at Troy, but there's a picture of T'Challa behind him that I'm pointing at. So I just don't want to, I didn't want to get weirded out. But sure, I lost my sure, train Tim. of thought there. Yes, I said to you, Sanjay, I said, look at how they already marketed Infinity War. They've yeah. got Black Panther. He's one of the only ones with speaking lines in that trailer. Yeah, yeah. And the second teaser heavily features Wakanda, Wakanda technology. Yes. And you look at that big battle where you have all these groups that we've now seen fighting, mm-hmm. running towards the, what are the Outriders? These big, whatever, animals. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you were, we're getting a lot of Wakanda already in the marketing. So to me, you translate all of that and people are like, oh, wow, Wakanda's going to play a big role. And you go back to some of the stuff that Feige said in early development of Black Panther. He said that, it, Wakanda and Black Panther are going to be a big part of Infinity War and Avengers 4. And that seemingly has carried through with the Russo brothers. Yeah. And I think have them having a shot to again do this character, which they first introduced into this universe, yeah. is very fitting. So now you have a nice continuity. Russo brothers hands it off to Ryan Coogler. He hands it back to the Russo brothers to take T'Challa and Wakanda through Infinity War and Avengers 4 and inevitably into Black Panther 2, 3, 4, whatever we get. So I think it's it's really nice to see that. But going back to these these numbers, <laughs> it's it's not gonna outgross Infinity War, but to date, so four days in, when you're looking at the MCU, it's already outgrossed Cap One, Incredible, or Incredible Hulk, Ant-Man, Thor, and Thor of the Dark World. Doctor Strange, it will outgross probably by Wednesday of this week, wow. Thursday. It's like this is total domestic. That yeah. that's insane. That they're outgrossing because like all those movies were like, oh, you know, that's pretty good haul, two hundred yeah. for a run. Yeah. yeah. By the end of next weekend, it will likely have outgrossed Winter Soldier, and it will be hot on the heels of Iron Man two. How high does it go? This thing is going to do probably well over four hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah. Easy. It's oh, gonna. Yeah. And out- that's just domestically. You know, if we look yeah. at like yeah. Civil Wars four hundred eight, Iron Man three is four hundred nine. It's going to sit up probably right in behind Age of Ultron. Will it go to over four fifty? Four fifty nine is what Age of Ultron is. Tell gross that it's not going to touch Avengers at six twenty three. Yeah, that's a tough one no. to do. Hundred. This is hundreds of millions we're talking. About. <laughs> yeah. It probably will because if you think about it, most movies in the MCU, if you look at their legs, are about two and a half times their opening weekend. Yeah. So if this is two and a half times, that would be what five hundred mil. It's tough too, though, because what else comes out after, right? Like we're going to be hit with the Deadpool's and the. But you're uh, talking but that's May. Not till May. Oh yeah, that's still a while. Like from now, March actually. and April are empty. Yeah, yeah this, this is again looking yeah. at at this whole release schedule when people are trying to fit everything into May. We talked about yeah. this before. Yeah. Everything to May, June, and then a little bit into July, and then everything shows back up in yeah. the fall. 
why aren't people putting these films now in February? Like, it seems to me that it doesn't matter what month the film comes out in. Like, you look at the previous record holder for February in Deadpool, which pulled in 360-odd million dollars. And was the previous? I think the, his opening weekend was about 132 million dollars. Yeah. So you have two of the bigger opening weekends, or 100 million plus opening weekends, buried within this Valentine's kind of yeah. middle February time, right? Yeah. So people are looking, especially in Canada, northern United States, are looking for something to do when it's minus 25 degrees out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not go see a film? Yeah. Well, seriously, and then point. you get something that's good yeah. on top of that. You're not getting just kind of these wretched films that are put out because they've film them and they have to get them into theaters at some point february is a great time it a great is, platform yeah, yeah. For film. like uh yeah it's you know we get these comic book seasons starting earlier and earlier yeah you know and this is this is great i'm eating it all up yeah it's it's wild so just i gotta go back to these numbers just one more time we're talking about fifth highest opening domestic opening of all time now what sits below that we've already talked about age of Ultron, captain america but also beauty and the beast harry and potter and the deathly hollows part two justice league batman v superman the Dark Knight, Rogue One. Wow. All opened below Black Panther. Wow. That's or Black Panther, I should say, opened above them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. It's impressive that what is this impressive. is doing. I can tell you that I did not expect this to do near this. What did Rogue One do? Rogue One did 155. Really? I'm curious to know what uh, your boy Solo is gonna do. <laughs> Me too. Over there. It should do it should do around that. It I should think. do around that. You'd think. But the marketing was kind of late on it too. Well, I guess they have enough time now. Huh. Yeah. We'll see. We just got a whole bunch of announcements. We're gonna get yeah. to all those announcements, guys. For sure. Next week. We got figures, books, everything coming out. Yeah. It's been an incredible week in Nerd with regards to the action figures that they released and all this tie-in books, the solo. We're gonna get into all that next week. Oh, yeah. Because this week is about Black Panther. Yeah, and I think T'Challa it's a, himself. Exactly. I think it's about time we start to step into this film. Now let's just talk a bit about the MCU timeline. Should we, we frame uh, say this up spoilers? A bit. Yes, but I hope people have gotten spoilers. <laughs> I didn't say spoilers closer to the top, but yeah, I'll, I'll put a tag on the thing right up front. Spoilers for Black Panther. <clears throat> but let's talk a bit about the timeline, where this sits. We know it happens after Civil War. We're talking relative timeline here. He was first introduced in that film. We've got mentions of Zemo, Winter Soldier, Claw. So it's tying in a lot of elements here. And again, coming back to some of this luxury of telling an isolated story. This is a story that's within a universe, a bigger universe, but doesn't have to overtly mention everything that's going on. There's one thing I want to discuss when we get to the end credit scene. Actually, maybe we'll do that a little bit here. So it's the mid credit scene when T'Challa gets up in front of the UN. Yes. And says... You know, we're here, Wakanda's opening its doors. When do you think that takes place? Is that right after the film? Because the guy kind of snickers and says, what do you have to offer? Right, yeah. And he kind of gives, you know, this grin. (laughs) So I'm reading way into this too much because I was looking for an Infinity War tease. (laughs) Didn't quite get it. No. But is he stepping up kind of right after they've decided to open up this center? In Oakland there? In Oakland. Or is this after the events or after an invasion? I think it's probably after events of Oakland, I would yeah. say. Uh, <laughs> just because going into Infinity War, obviously, to be see Wakanda's, you know, fully intact and they're yeah. engaged in that battle already. So it, I would say it's before. Yeah. 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 I imagine if there's an invasion coming from Thanos, they don't have time to set up a press conference. You know, things would be a little bit more chaotic. I know. <laughs> but just the way the guy, I, it works. It works both yeah. ways. And it kind of felt like a little bit of a nod to Iron Man 1, too, a little bit. Yeah. You know, Iron oh, Man yeah. comes out and was like, I'm, I'm Iron Man. It yeah. kind of it's has exactly a little bit of that, that feel, right? Exactly yeah. that. <laughs> uh, in the comics, is Black Panther and Wakanda 
is it open society where they teach like the West all this stuff and they share their technology, or are they more closed borders? No, it's it's, it's reverse. I believe they are closed off. Yeah. Um, and and T'Challa, because he works so much with the Avengers, you kind of have the people in Wakanda being like, "You need to be over here helping us." More yeah. So, as opposed yeah. to you helping those guys. Yeah. Yeah, and like Everett Ross in the comic books, he's played by Martin Freeman in yeah. this character is actually like a diplomat or a liaison with Wakanda to the UN. Uh, so that's where he comes from he plays a similar ish role in this you can see that role developing into something like that down the road as they embed themselves more in kind of global politics in that but yeah it's it's pretty much in the comics the way that at least the film starts yeah yeah definitely and it's about protection about the vibranium and all that and no infinity stone no no it didn't happen it didn't happen <laughs> That's what you guys think. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, before we kick this off, just got to give a shout out here to um, a listener wrote in, uh, Nia Nutri. I'm, I'm likely butchering. I'm awful at these names. I'm, I'm really, really sorry. Um, but they sent us a, a Black Panther review through the website. So that's just the context page and the website. So what I'm going to do here, I'm going to read some of it and kind of preamble a bit of what we're going to discuss. And I'm going to pull elements out of it as we discuss certain points here. So they go through talking about the music, the plot, some of the accents, some of the fight scenes, the timelines and all that. So I want to bring those elements as we go through so it doesn't feel as disjointed. So I'll give a give a shout out to them. I really appreciate you sending in the comments, the feedback, and it helps us kind of pull together some of the review elements here and gives us almost a fourth voice at the table. Yeah. So thank you very much for that. So the first thing I'm going to kick it off here with is their message. And I'm just going to read the first part of it and then we'll jump into the film and then we'll come back Back to it as we go through this and kind of refer to it like I said like a fourth voice at the table so they start off the the message here by saying more fight scenes I came for the fight scenes the movie was marked with too many funny scenes everybody had something funny to say or do it left me leaving the cinema with more funny highlights than fights so I want us to sit and think about that a little bit and we're going to jump into our film review like we normally do. We're going to walk through the plot a bit here, pull out the big elements, character elements, plot elements, everything down to the fight scenes like has been mentioned here, and into the overall implications for the larger universe. With that in mind, we're going to get into this film. Now this kicks off with a beautiful opening sequence that gives us a little short history of Wakanda and the Black Panther through this sands of vibranium, which is a cool technology that's used throughout the film as well. Yeah. What do you guys think about going back centuries ago, talking about the five African tribes that came together from the meteorite, the alien meteorite of vibranium, and then they're able to develop and find the heart-shaped herb. So it gives you a lot of Wakandan history very quickly. How did you guys feel with that and how they introduced everything. Oh, I, I love this. This is exactly how you do it for origin film. And again, this is where I come down to the start of the James Bond feel. This felt like the James Bond kind of crawl, you know, where you have like the, the golden kind of girls, except it's obviously not golden girls in this <laughs> sequence, but the sequence was shot very much like it. And I, I'm a sucker for um, origins being told through the crawl, kind of like what we got a little bit of Incredible Hulk. Yep. But on a grander scale, a lot yeah. better. So I like it. And it caught me up to speed with what was going on in this film. And I'm sure anybody else that just hopped into this film that had no idea, you know, what goes on with Black Panther, they could get in here and within the first 30 seconds, boom, you're up to pace with everything. Yeah, I'm one of those people that has no idea what's going on with Black Panther. So when I saw that opening crawl, I'm like, okay, I know everything. Let's just go. Yeah. And I was ready to go from the start. And it's a perfect way. No, like... 45 minutes where you tiptoe around and show some stuff and then you know another scene here just give us you know trust the audience give it to us all at once and let's just go and have some fun and yeah. that's what they did yeah and that, like i like your your 
your point there, trust the audience to consume this. They laid it out very well, provide a solid foundation for this movie. You know, everything from the Jabari tribe that center pulls themselves away, moves up into the mountains. You've got the vibranium is the reason that everything's so vibrant there. You get these big animals. You've got the heart-shaped herb now, so it explains the Black Panther powers. Yeah all about the, kind of the, the tribal warfare that they had gone through and also the rituals that they really respect and continue to do into present day, this isolated, technologically advanced society and why they did it and how they did it. So you get, like you said, everything thrown at you, but it's thrown at you in such an economic way. You just feel like you know what's going on. Like, I'd, I'd really love to hear, well, you kind of give us that perspective a bit, but just for some other people out there is how you felt about this opening crawl sequence. Because to me, it, it makes you feel like you're part of a bigger universe already. And I don't know if that's because we're embedded within the MCU itself, we know this character from the comic books, or if that's just how well done this first part was. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool because, you know, when you get this opening sequence, um, it's like the best big kept secret, yeah. you know, because nobody knows anything about Wakanda in that world. And then yeah. when we get this opening crawl, we're like, whoa, this is what's been going down in this in this uh, this country this whole time, this yeah. continent. So I just think, ah, so cool. Right off the bat, I was engaged. Yeah. yeah. Now, we kind of skip to 1992, Oakland, and we get introduced to a few people here. One of our boys from This Is Us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my wife was super excited when she found out he was in this film. What up, Randall? Uh, Randall, yeah. <laughs> Play a little different role here. Yeah. Uh, he plays Prince Najobu. And he came to, as a spy, I believe. Um, they, it's interesting, too, because they explained that the Wakandans had sent out spies to every country and bedded them everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I love, he, they call it, now they call it a ticket. For Michael B. Jordan's character, but I love the lip, yes, the tattoo, the vibranium tattoo in there, mm-hmm. really, really cool. But this is probably the only part of the film that I felt slightly confused at. So we go through a bit of a sequence here. We have Prince Najobu with also Zuri, a younger Zuri, and at least this whole idea about them running guns a bit. This eventually rolls into T'Chaka showing up, right, yes. a little later on, and showing up in the Black Panther suit. And he finds out that he's actually, or he was responsible for helping Claw get some of the vibranium. Zuri's got to borrow the vibranium out mm-hmm. because Prince Najobu, who is T'Challa's uncle, um, he was trying to move Wakanda away from this isolationist country into someone that can help a wider world. Now, this is this is very well done, I think, and and really embedded within the story itself. This main theme of isolation and this is very much so something that's going on in the united states right now yeah. and they, they bring this to the forefront but how did you guys feel about how they set all of this up really seeding our what our main villain key motivation is going to be but doing it through his father and not explicitly showing how michael b jordan's character outside of the young kid that's standing outside seeing the wakandan ships how do you feel that they're able to seed all of this and pull together what would be the main driving motivation of our villain eventually yeah, no, I, I like this scene a lot. I, I thought it's pretty authentic too to the gear that they're they're rocking back in '92. There, that that was dope. I'm a big fan for, or, um, big fan of uh, the actor that plays um, the prince in this in this film, yeah. uh, Randall. And it's cool. It's also, I believe, uh, Forrest Whitaker's son. Oh, is it? Actually, plays oh, a really? young Forrest Whitaker there. Yeah, interesting. It's pretty cool because I was like, yo, that guy looks kind of like Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, <laughs> you know, back in um, 
Uh, shoot, Beverly Hills Cop. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I thought this scene was great. Um, I thought we were going to see, you know, a younger Black Panther show up. And I'm glad we did get to see T'Chaka show up there I'll and say. handle everything. That was great. Yeah. Um, all in all, it is great. The scene becomes a lot better once we revisit it. Once we yeah. know the motives yeah, behind Yeah, I've pulled everything. them two together. Yeah, yeah once everything's pulled together, about, yeah. that's when you really appreciate the scene more so. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's a scene that I haven't seen the movie for a second time, but I'm sure if I see it again, it'd make a lot more sense. Like, okay, I know, you know, these threads pull in here and there. First time I was a little confused. I was like, are they like trying to rob a bank? Cause they had like a car little thing going around in the car, I think. Mm-hmm. And like, a, I was like, okay, so what, what is exactly their plan? These guys seem like they're like not on the up and up, but then after you find out, you're like, okay, that, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think to me, it was more the names. Like I got a bit confused and I didn't really get that it was his brother until a little later on right. like I, yeah. I don't think you're meant to and i missed the name zuri the first time as well oh, i thought okay. i heard it but i just couldn't connect the pieces because forrest whitaker looks a bit older than he probably should have been if he was that age in 1992 right doesn't really matter yeah but it was the only part of the film that i was like okay i'm still trying to catch up on some of the names here the kind of names are a bit different than i'm used to yeah but all in all i think this is a great start to the film and like you said when you add in that second piece that we've kind of brought into this discussion it makes everything way better. Mm-hmm. I love the look of T'Chaka yes. in the Black Panther suit. Mm-hmm. Now tell me, I, I couldn't tell. Is this in fact a fourth suit in this film? Is it different than the one he was wearing in Civil War? I, I can't remember. Which one? The one we saw at the beginning? Like, the one that T'Chaka's wearing. Yeah, it's different. So different. This would be, yeah, because the one from Civil War is a little more high tech. And okay. I think they go over it that um, his sister created that one for yeah. him. Yeah, Civil War. I love that nod. Yeah. Here, you don't have to put your helmet on. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Extremist! It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Extremist armor. Yeah. Now, now, the thing, I mentioned this before that I love about this, is the creation of a very natural villain. Yes. A natural motivation and something that makes sense. We're going to get into Eric Killonger here in a minute, but I have to shout out our discussion from a couple weeks ago that came from Grabs Granite, a question yeah. about villains. Yeah. It seated this very, very nicely. And I'm not going to say, but I did say <laughs> that Michael B was probably one of the better villains that we've ever gotten in the MCU because this is a constant problem. And something that we've poked at a little bit in the retrospective series is that the villains are meh. Like, yeah. they're, they're nothing great. They're yeah. kind of born out of the same technology that the hero is, but their motivations sometimes seemed waffly at best. If I can use that term, that's kind of an awful term to use. <laughs> Ill-motivated is probably better. Yeah. So this character has one hell of a motivation and the part i love the most about it and we said this back when we discussed villains was that they had to think that they were right yes yeah and this comes right out of this scene because his father thought he was right in what he was doing and he had to execute something along with claw claw that eventually killed a bunch of wakandans but he had to do something to start what he felt was necessary for wakanda to be part of a bigger world aiding the people that he was seeing suffering in the late ni- early 90s in Oakland and around the world. So I love this. This is probably the most well-done villain, I'd have to say, with the exception of maybe Loki. But Loki didn't get this type of background or development in Thor 1. Yeah. This required several movies for Loki. Killmonger eventually, coming out of this, is such a believable villain. And this is the scene that really sets it all up. It, which scene is this exactly? The... The scene with his dad and all that. Like oh, okay. Seeds yeah. all of oh, it. Oh, that, that seems good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say right now, full spoilers, like this is hands down my favorite MCU villain. He knocked out of the park for only having one film under his belt. He destroys it. 
yeah. he kills it. He's incredible. Like uh, Grabs mentioned, or like we, we mentioned in this question, it's all about the villain that's most, not even necessarily relatable, but you can see behind their motives. Yeah. Uh, something that was kind of lacking for me in Last Jedi. I can actually understand the <laughs> motives coming here from, uh, from Killmonger. And man, he's just great. Michael B., just embodies this role and he kind of does a little bit what we've been talking about with um Berthold's character from Punisher yes. Punisher season two how he has like that, that crazy in his eyes and mm-hmm. and he kind of does that in this film too but on a, a grander scale because it's, it's it's cinematic it's a movie and um through and through you know there's points in this movie where I'm like yeah I totally on your side here like yeah he's extreme and he's, he's doing some violent things but you know he's a great a great villain because even Black Panther himself after kind of sees this guy's dreams come true and he actually kind of you know favors his request in a sense and and brings justice to the whole world it's exactly that yeah he he eventually does what killmonger <clears throat> wants to do exactly. just in a less violent way yeah yeah and, and and the cool thing is is like killmonger never changes you know even towards the end even when he knows he loses his motives still haven't changed you no. know he has no disbelief in what he's actually believing which is great and i can't remember the line i won't even try and quote it's it but brilliant. the end line at the end when he dies, I was just like, man. It, it was it was along the lines of throw me in the ocean. Yeah. Because I want to die like my forefathers did, not shackled or something yes. like that. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's a brilliant line. I just butchered it. Yeah. But coming from him and the way it's delivered after everything. Oh yeah. It's so good. It's it's so good. And uh yeah, man, I I, I gotta put him up there. I, MCU is, is on the right track now. We're yeah. getting these better villains with Vulture and Loki, obviously. And now Killmonger, man. That's that's my guy. Damn. Oh, his fight scenes were insane. Like, this is a guy that you could easily see him going up against other people in the MCU and doing well against. Oh, you yeah. Know, sometimes you see a villain, like Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming, where, like, he he was really good villain, but Iron Man could have defeated him in, like, two seconds. Right. Let's be realistic here. Yeah. But Killmonger, he's going up against Black Panther. Captain America couldn't take him down probably in two seconds. Iron Man can't take him down two seconds. Maybe Hulk, but that's it. Especially when he's loaded up heart tra- with the heart-shaped herb too. Yeah. Right? Like, yes. that's what I really like. He had these powers and his fighting was really sweet. And he was this military guy who had all these kills. He had those like scars on his body. That, and then he had the mask. He oh, just, yeah. Everything worked so well for this yeah. guy. And the Black Panther suit was different. He was still like a panther, right? Yeah. 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 It was... Yeah. This guy was... And he's so believable. When he entered the throne room after he delivered Claw, oh. and he goes in there, and he's like, you guys have been all sitting here eating right while we're over here in the States, and, you know, we're getting our asses handed to us. And I was yeah. just like, yeah, man. Like, you know, <laughs> preach. Yeah. yeah. He's well, so believable. Yeah. Let, let's get into yeah. the manga right now. Full on. Mm-hmm. All right. That speech in, in the throne room. When he's, I love when he says, hey, auntie. Yeah. yeah. I love that, right? That's great. Great delivery. He, he walks into Wakanda after having this series of events with with Andy Serkis's Ulysses Claw. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about all that and how that evolved, at the start, I didn't I didn't put all the pieces together that that was his father in that room until it, it explains it all eventually. Yep. I, I didn't grasp that that was the kid, that he was the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually you, you kind of get all that. And when we're talking, when he's going through and talking about Wakanda and all that, he almost seems... A bit like a mercenary, right? And he, he kind of is. Yeah. He talks about his kills in Iraq, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. all over the Afri- his, you know, African nation. Yeah. And you don't initially get what he's doing because then he eventually kills his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and then kills Claw and delivers Claw. I did not see that coming. No, not at all. What a way to introduce 
your main villain by yeah. dragging who you thought was going to be the main villain dead into Wakanda. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't see it coming at all. You know, uh, that was a big surprise. Yeah. And again, just adds more weight to this character. Yeah, and then going back to the throne room when he's when he's talking about how he wants the throne. This is his birthright. Mm-hmm. He shows up with a necklace with a tattoo on his lip. He, he is a scene stealer throughout this whole film. Yeah. The early stuff, not as much, but as soon as he gets going with Angela Bassett oh, yeah. and he goes with his sister Shuri, Chadwick Boseman, mm-hmm. everything, the fight scenes, yeah. next level when we're talking about him engaging Black Panther, T'Challa, on the side of that that mountain. Oh, like, that was great. It's it's gorgeously done. And Kugler knows how to shoot close combat. Yes, yeah. close combat. Yeah. That's key. That, and that comes from hard. Creed. Yeah. That yeah. comes from what he's done in the past. And that whole idea, this ritual combat. Now, we can go back a little bit and talk about uh, Manape the, yeah. the, from the Jabari tribe. Right. Because there's so much culture and heritage built into this film as well, mm-hmm. right? And that's another key theme in this. And the fact that they keep that and they show that several times and the meaning behind it when Killmonger actually defeats him. Yeah. Not fully, but defeats him. It, it's so good. Like, I think it, it takes Killmonger to the next level oh, when yeah. he defeats T'Challa. Because it's not like he came in and overthrew with an army. Mm-hmm. He's a one-man army. Yes. Like, yeah. he walked in and said, if this is my birthright. I challenge him. They take the Black Panther powers away from him, and he defeats T'Challa. And that's what I love. And that's why I mentioned beginning of this review, I, I said it's a little bit of the Batman. And I, when I when I make that reference, it's... Quarter vowels. In quarter vowels, we get a point of Batman when he's at his all-time high. He's at a peak where he feels like he can't be touched. And here we got the same thing. We got Black Panther coming off of uh, the heels of Civil War. You know, so he made some good over there. He took out somebody or a little bit of a tribe at the beginning of this film, and then he took out Manape. So this guy's feeling pretty invincible. And here, and he's the king now. Yeah. And then here comes Killmonger, and he challenges him in his home and takes it all away from him and breaks the character down, much like kind of what happens in um, Quarter vowels a little bit. So. I really just love what they did there. And those fight scenes you mentioned with like the rituals, that's kind of like the Bloodsport Rocky kind yeah. of feel that I get off of those scenes. You've got the crowd really into it. I'm really into it. It's not often <laughs> when I watch these action, action sequences at this age and I'm really like cheering for um, for the main character, for the main lead to win. But here, every time, man, I was just on my heels like, come on, Chitala, get up, get up. You know, when he's, when he's getting his ass handed to him a couple of times here. So, God, Ryan Coogler just killed it for me in these sequences. Yeah, when he, there's a challenge scene between Killmonger and Kachala, uh, it really reminded me of Rocky. I mean, he did direct Creed, and it yeah. does have that Rocky feel where he goes in, he's the champion, he's feeling all high and yeah. mighty. You know, he doesn't train as hard in the Rocky films, and he goes, gets his ass handed to him. So he kind of gets humbled a bit, and then he's got to come back, rise through the ranks, and defeat the champion again. And I totally got that feel yes. from this movie. Did you, when Killmonger and T'Challa are battling, I was almost. I don't know if it's because I really like Michael B. Yeah. But I'm sitting there thinking, like, I don't know how they're going to execute this. I don't know how this is going to go. I didn't expect him to get the throne. <laughs> like, I thought this was going to be, like, in this underhanded plot. And, you know, the expectation is, and it might be some of the MCU stuff, is that you kind of go in, you go through this middle battle where you break down the character, like you mentioned, Troy. But it's never been in this way. Like, you, you basically wipe out T'Challa. Mm-hmm. And you take him off screen for... 15 minutes which is a very brave move to take your main character off the screen and it translates almost into a killmonger movie for a little bit yeah like if you listen to the music so there's when you're the start of the film there's like there's a heavy african like there's a heavy african influence on it 
And then as it transitions through into Killmonger's movie for a little bit, the the mood and the music changes. Mm-hmm. It goes into this Kendrick Lamar type. Yeah. Like you get a lot of hip hop in there yeah. mixed with, you know, African beats and all that. So the score in itself, although it doesn't have like a, it probably does have main themes, but nothing that I can recognize, but I notice a tonal shift as this film kind of progressed into Killmonger's film. And it's not often that we get a film changing its trajectory so much that you see the score move with it. I, I just, I was really shocked that they gave Killmonger that much of the film. Mm-hmm. Because he really does take it for about 15 minutes when T'Challa's gone, right? Yeah, he, he really does. And, you know, going back to the score, this is probably one of my favorite MCU scores. But it feels more like it changes from a score to like a soundtrack yeah. almost throughout this film. And um, I really appreciate that. Going back to uh, when Killmonger steals the show, it's kind of like if we were to go back to Ragnarok and change the tables with the perspective of seeing Hela's point of view as she basically got rid of Thor. It kind of be like spending 15 minutes with her. Yeah. Kind of like what they did here, but in reverse. So I really appreciate them doing that because it really felt like this film was... There's a point where we don't have much Michael B, but once he comes back, it really feels like this movie's about 50-50 between yeah. Chadwick and Michael B, which is great because you really got to use that that actor because he's huge right now. And uh, and then does he ever deliver yeah. in this film? So I really like the choice of what they did with the villain because we could have easily gone back and seen T'Challa fall and seen his... I don't know, I guess his, um, how do I forget, Simba. You could have had his Simba moment yeah. and you could have seen him rise, but it's like, no, let's not do that. Let's spend time with the villain here because we've got something special. They needed a Rocky training montage with the music video. <laughs> I mean, like training to get back in. That would have been amazing. Just like punching stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Punching Fun, the meat and stuff. Punching rhinos. Yeah. Vibranium. Uh, curling some Come stuff. on, Coogler. What were you thinking? <laughs> no, and that, that's what, what typically happens in these films, right? Yeah. You have the fall of the hero and then you go with the hero as he rises back up. Yeah to match his conqueror yeah. iron man 3 and thor right yeah you Every follow time. that around and they don't do that no. and i love it they give the opportunity to develop or they take the opportunity to develop the villain because that's one of the hard things to do in these origin films is that you have to spend so much time creating the universe creating the hero and you get this little piece of villain because mm-hmm. the villain has to be there you need an antagonist for your protagonist and in this film, we did benefit from having him introduced in another film. We got the concept of the suit. So they didn't really have to go into too much detail of that. It was a bit more fun banter between him and Shuri and about the development of the suit. And she kind of, suit, and kind of explains it a little bit. So they didn't have to spend as much time, I don't think, introducing T'Challa. And they use that, that very valuable time and transfer that over to Michael V. Mm-hmm. And that, that, again, is something that they need more of in the MCU because we need to have these strong villains. We've gotten a couple really good ones in the last few years, yeah. and they need to continue to do that. But what it comes down to is motivations and yes. time spent on villain. Because you look at the Vulture, you look at Michael B's yeah. Eric Killmonger, a lot of time spent on them, more so than you usually get. So I, I have to commend that. Like Killmonger's probably one of my favorite parts of this film. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I love what Bozeman does, and we'll get to talking about his T'Challa in a minute here, but he almost steals the movie, I would say. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Because when his lack of presence isn't around, you're really like, oh man, I, I want him yeah. back. Like, one of my favorite parts of this whole film, and I'm sure we'll touch upon it, is the casino. Yeah. I love the casino, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, cool, Claw's pulling up, so Michael B's right behind him, right? No, he wasn't there, but I'm, you know, I want him to be there. Um, but apart from that, I love that scene so much, but you're always itching for Michael B's Killmonger to show up yeah. and just deliver it in this film. Was it a mistake that they killed him at the end? Michael B or Michael B, Killmonger? Yeah. Uh, 
I, you kind of had to because, like I said, the character really believes in his beliefs, right? If that makes any sense. He, he has a strong stance on what he believes. Yeah. And so for if you're to keep that character around, you're not going to change him. Like, you're not going to have him high-five Black <laughs> Panther and be like, let's team up. You can't do the Winter Soldier and Captain America. Right? That's Thor, what I was Thor ask, and Loki yeah. is another. Right? Or Thor and Loki. Yeah, you can't do that with these guys. As much as I'd love to see him pop up sometime, cage him, maybe, but... Unfortunately, you, you did have to kill this character. Well, and they give the character the opportunity, right? Yeah. You know, T'Challa says, I, we can save you. Like, they literally demonstrated it with Everett Ross yeah. and Jack Boseman, right? <laughs> or T'Challa. Yeah. So, and he just, the line at the end puts a perfect stamp on his character. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think he is a one and done. He's yeah. in one film. I don't like using the term one and done because that makes it feel like less of a performance. But I think it would take away from the character if he shows back up. Like realistically, yeah, it'd be it'd be tough to pull. I mean, the stakes would have to be high, like I guess in Infinity War. But then his motives just don't really line up against. Like it just wouldn't make sense for him to fight Thanos or no. any of his army because that's just not what he believes in. Yeah, it's true. It's unfortunate because it was such a powerhouse performance, yeah. and I would love to see more. Maybe they'll make Fantastic Four too, and he'll come back. <laughs> no, I saw a funny meme on the internet today. It was. Two out of two human torches redeemed yeah, by the MCU. Was that you? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, that's yeah, that amazing. That's like, great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, while we're on villains here, we briefly mentioned Ulysses Claw, played by Andy Serkis. Now, he is more of a means to an end than an actual villain in this film. What do you guys think of the use of Andy Serkis and Ulysses Claw that we had our first introduction to in Age of Ultron? Yeah, he's a great actor, Andy Serkis. You know, a lot of times people forget about him being a great actor and just being more of a motion capture yeah. kind of artist. But he's great. But you know what? I think we had enough of him after Age of Ultron anyways. So everything he did in this film, he was great. There was nothing against him. But uh, again, this was um, this is a relationship between Killmonger and Black Panther and not necessarily with Andy Serkis. So I, I, I really do like this decision they made. I just I did not see that coming. I was really surprised when he killed him. I thought he was going to maybe be taken away or held prisoner. Didn't see that coming at all, but I like the choice of what they did. Yeah, um, Andy Serkis, he's a great actor. Claw, it's kind of like a miss for me. I was like, okay, this guy, he just has like an arm cannon. How did how did how does he escape Wakanda for like thirty years? So I was glad to see him kind of bite the dust, and uh, we could focus on the better villain yeah. of the story. Well, and that was that's an interesting point you bring there about him eluding Wakanda for thirty years. And they kind of explain that. They say that T'Chaka didn't do anything about it. Yeah. He had this explosion and his, his buddy, um, uh, Mubaku, maybe? Oh, oh the guy from Mubaku? Get Out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. He um, That's one of his driving motivations, right? That, oh, that, his parents were killed. His parents were killed. Yeah. And it was T'Chaka's lack of ability or even want to go after Claw. So it seems like they didn't put the effort to going into Claw. And that's why he's been able to elude them for all these years. And so... Like I said, he's a means to an end. Mm -hmm. He gets our main villain from point A to point B, but also drives a motivation for kind of not so much a sub-villain, but someone that kind of teams up with Killmonger and his friend there. Mm -hmm. And I think that gives him a bit more motivation because his his friend there that teams up with Killmonger is slightly... I'm not sure I totally bought that in the film about him saying, I'm switching sides, I'm taking my boys with me, and we're going to fight the door and Milaje here and have this big battle. Yeah, That seemed a tiny bit ill-motivated. I get that you needed that character to do that. And they did so... Or they did plant the seeds that would allow him 
to make a somewhat believable jump from one to the other. And that all comes down to Andy Serkis. So again, he forms in numerous ways a good plot device for moving character motivations around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably one of my... Uh... One of my only weaknesses, I'd say, for this film is the turn of um, I forgot his name, but the the actor, the lead from Get Out, um, because you know you got a scene between him and Black Panther, and you're like, whoa, these guys are boys. Like he was willing to go down to uh, South Korea and help um, Black Panther bring back Claw. Um, he was really down with that, and that never happened. But anyways, once um, Killmonger brought the body of Claw, he was so quick to change, and I was like, ooh, really? Like. That could have been fleshed out a little bit for me, especially because you know his wife was part of the was it Dor- Dormilaji. Yeah. She's the general. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So just to see him flip sides like that was just a little weird for me. And, and he's a great actor too, that yeah. guy. So I don't don't really know what I, I wish I just wish that was a little more fleshed out for me. Wakabi yeah. is his name. Wakabi, Wakabi. okay. Yeah. Mubaku is, is the Manape. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I got those backwards. So Sanjay, what are your thoughts on on that flip there? It does it did it make sense to you? Did you get it? Yeah, actually, that one, um, I did kind of see it coming. Well, I didn't see it coming, but it did kind of make sense to me because he had this guy who killed his father and, you know, the king wasn't doing anything. And then the whole purpose was them to go and bring Claw back to face justice in Wakanda. That didn't happen. And then Michael B. gets the job done. So he's like, okay, this is a man that can get job get the job done. And they had the same ideologies. So it kind of made sense that he would flip sides. And, you know, and that's an interesting point because when you go back to when T'Challa first has his encounter in the, I, I think I call it the Force Lounge. The Force <laughs> Lounge. When he meets his dad and he's talking back with his dad. Um, and his dad says, you're a good man, which will make it, I think he, he said you're a good man, so it'll make it harder to be a good king. Yeah, right. Something along those lines. And so that kind of falls back to this, whereas Killmonger has, he's, he's a bad man. So he can kind of fit that king role a little bit better in some senses than what T'Challa could do. So I guess that would make sense for uh, Wakabi? Wakabi. Wakabi to, to join Killmonger and maybe bring more weight towards his uh, his role as king. Yeah. You it know? was just the speed that he that he flipped, I think. Yes. They needed to sow a bit more discontent earlier on in their relationship. Because like you mentioned, they're, they're pretty good friends. They're yeah. talking mm-hmm. about going. He's super pumped that the child's going after Andy Serkis, even, or after Claw, even with the council saying no i don't think we should go we should just you know let's wait yeah and he says no we're going he makes it a decision a king decision that overrules everyone else the opinions of everyone else and he's like yeah okay cool yeah and then when he gets back he's like he slipped through our hands because of michael B. jordan really yeah and he's like well i guess nothing's changed i'm thinking to myself this is what wakabi says to t'challa and yeah. it wasn't it wasn't for a lack of trying yeah and so the change was there already. Right. Like you saw T'Challa willing to go beyond his borders into South Korea to get Claw mm-hmm. and just failed. And so it wasn't so much that he didn't try. It was that he just, it just didn't happen. Yeah. So I didn't, didn't like that as much. I felt that was probably, you're right. It's the only point that I'll give this a bit of a, a bit of a kick because that character just needed to be a bit more like we need to be doing different things. You need to have, Maybe earlier on, some similarities to Killmonger. We need to be exactly. out there doing more. Whether he uses Nakia and her ability to, or her going out into Nigeria and all that, mm-hmm. he need to be something more than a border guard mm-hmm. because he had never, or seemingly never, left Wakanda. If he had been at least doing something that's similar to Nakia was doing, Lupita Nyong'o's character, yeah. where he was out there, he'd seen the world and all that, that made might have made that turn a bit more. So I don't know exactly how you meld that character and Nakia's character together. They needed to be 
not so much combined, but of the same world in the sense that he had spent time beyond the borders. Right. Because being a border guard, that literally, he doesn't go beyond that. Yeah. So he doesn't know what's going on. So I feel like if they had sown that a bit earlier, you could have believed that turn more. Yeah. But being a border guard, he would have to turn back all like refugees and people trying to get into Wakanda for refuge. So he would see kind of, you know, the suffering of the neighboring countries around Wakanda. So he would see firsthand, I think... Um, and as well, I think when Killmonger comes back and they're talking about, you know, spreading Wakanda technology throughout and kind of taking over, um, the character agrees with him in that sense when they're talking with all the elders and they're like, no, we need to like keep it, you know, on lockdown. We don't have to bring that stuff around the world. And he's like, no, I think we should. I think times are changing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a, he seemed like a pretty emotional guy when his, uh, when his dad got killed and no, no one did anything. And then they come back. The whole pro- point of that trip was to get the man who killed his dad and they failed. So he's like, well, you know, it's a pretty emotional thing. So he's like, you know, screw you guys. And yeah. you just, it's just the same thing. You know, as you said, nothing's changed. So I think he, maybe they could have portrayed that a little bit better, but to me, uh, you know, that, that piece is kind of fit for me. Okay, cool. Well, I like it. And, Let's talk a little bit here about our main hero. I almost yeah. said villain. <laughs> I've just done that for the last half an hour. So we have to talk about T'Challa here. Chadwick Boseman absolutely nails this role. I love him as the title character in this. How he goes through this evolution within the film, coming back, like you said, on the pedestal, getting knocked down, and then really changing Wakanda almost maybe for the better we will see but how'd you guys feel about chadwick boseman coming out of civil war now into his own solo film oh yeah i was on board um you know i was a little worried he might be a little wooden at first Mm -hmm. but it it worked for me and then you know we get that beginning sequence when he goes down and um rescues not doesn't rescue but aids uh nakia nakia right and i like that we get a bit of like the q not the q moment but the james bond kind of feel when he drops down there and and he takes out these guys i never freeze yeah you know, i love it and he does so, so right off the bat, we get <laughs> right off the bat we get some of that marvel humor but it works for me this is the kind of humor that works this isn't i don't want to knock on last jedi but you know the marvel films do it in a, in a more organic way yeah. and it worked in this film they didn't beat me over the head with it too much and it didn't take away from the action or the villains. Yeah. So I, I like the setup of what they did here. Chadwick's great. I've been, you know, on the heels with this guy since Civil War, what he did with that character. Um, I do feel like his action sequences in the costume are better with what the Russos did in Civil War, as opposed to his action sequences here. But outside of the costumes, when we see the challenges, when it's actually live action and we see Kugler behind the helm capturing his fight sequences, I love those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on a couple of things you said. Uh, one, the main thing for me was the humor. I've been always knocking the MCU about their humor. You know, sometimes I feel it's out of place. This movie, the humor felt organic. Yes. It didn't feel forced, like you said. So hats off to this uh, Coogler and his partner for writing this movie because I think they nailed the tone. And the fight scenes, the challenges. For me, my favorite part of the whole film was... When he's fighting Manape and he has a chance to kill him and Manape's like, I'm not going to tap out. Just kill me. And he's like, you're a leader of a tribe. They need you. And then he and then he taps out. Yeah. To me, that was perfect. That shows like a leader. And Chadwick Boseman played it so well. It, that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. It's great. Yeah, and I'm it, with you. And it seeds so much for later on too. Yes. Absolutely. Like it it could have been a, not a throwaway, but just a way to prop up T'Challa and say, yeah. look, he defeated Manape. This tribe goes away and you never hear from them again. Yeah. But it has big implications for later on in the movie, which I really didn't see coming. Yeah. I wanted to see more of him, 
Maku, but the way they bring him back yeah. is, is better than I thought. I didn't think we were going to see him again. Yeah, I'm so glad they brought him back. And yeah. I can't wait to see him in the next one because you know we're going to get more of some of these characters that were just hit. Well, yeah, and he was oh, with yeah. the council and all that. Yeah. And speaking about the, the funny moments, he probably had some of the more standout <laughs> funny moments. Oh, we're vegetarians? Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Very Hilarious. dry humor too, yeah. right? And kind of out of nowhere. And I agree with you guys yeah. that the humor was on point, yeah. which goes a little bit against what we got from one of our listeners here, Nee, when he's talking about the funny moments undercut some of the fight scenes and all that. To me, I didn't get that. I felt like you said, Troy, that it's very organic. It comes from the right characters. Yes. Shuri was a big, big proponent of lightening up the mood sometimes because T'Challa himself is, is very, I wouldn't say wooden. Yeah. Like I, I, I got a little bit of that. Right? Yeah. But he, he's very, he's, he's got that prowess to him, right? Mm-hmm. He carries himself in a way that doesn't allow for too much of the humor. He has a few things when he, he has this smile about him too, right? right? And like in the, you know, I never freeze and yeah. all that. That's a great banter that he has with Shuri too. Like mm-hmm. she really elevates Bozeman, I think, in those scenes, the lighthearted scenes. They need her there to bring his character up. Yes. And I feel that that's the, the thing about this cast is Bozeman's able to carry a scene. But every single character he's in a scene with elevates not only him but also the scene yes because they know how to play off each other right exactly and i think a lot of that goes to bozeman because he's the one doing a lot of the interactions with the different people whether it's his mother his sister michael b whomever i kind of go in and out of (laughs) character (laughs) names (laughs) and actor names here but i think bozeman overall absolutely fantastic this role i can't wait to see more of him going forward and i hope that they continue with this this cast yes because that's the next thing we got to talk about here is who he has surrounded himself with and the actresses that Coogler brought into this, some of the best in the game. Oh yeah. And we talked about Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger stealing the show or stealing scenes. The women in this film are all incredible. Yeah. Now, whether it's the general of the Dora Milaje, uh, okay. Or it's Shuri or it's his mother or it's Nakia. They're all unreal what did you guys think about the woman of this film to begin with and then we'll go into some of the individual character traits here oh man they're they're so good the general again going back to the casino scene because apart from what you mentioned uh sanjay with um the ritual yeah uh when they fight the first challenge i love that scene but then we go to the casino and we get the the kendrick lamar playing in the background i was like oh what are we in for here and i love how the general calls out like her wig yeah she hates that but then she uses it as a weapon Later on in, oh, yeah. in, in that action sequence, because that was one of my favorite act- action sequences that used some of the CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked actually that whole scene far more than the very end fight scene. But um, all around, I love that whole part. So I think she was great. The general, the general could be Black Panther herself. Like, yeah. she's so good. Her physicality is just great with what she does. And uh, Shiri, the sister, she's she's hilarious, man. When she sees Chadwick Boseman show up in her um her fortress right her lab and he has like the sandals on and she's like what are those yeah, yeah. <laughs> she calls out the shoes i know yeah. that's hilarious and then he does she does a reference to i believe it's um back to the future which is like dad's favorite uh american movie had shoes like these and then he makes like the high tops for chadwick i oh, thought that was maybe i didn't catch that yeah i thought yeah, it was okay. back to the future because you know marty wears the cool yeah. high top nike yeah. so I, I i figured it was back to the future when she's yeah. talking about her dad's favorite movie so I was like, oh, shoot, that's really cool. And um, all around, everybody was great. I, I love um, Angela Bassett 
and I, I, I just wish we got a bit more from mm-hmm. her because I think she's such a great actor. I think she's world class, and I just wish we got a bit more of her relationship because I guess they went away with from what you were saying, her being yeah. a stepmom. It seems like she's the biological. Just yeah, the mom. Yeah. Yeah. So I wish we could have got a bit more of her um, kind of mourning too mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. Tachaka. So. Yeah not really even a nitpick. I just wish we got a bit more out of her. But either than that, man, yeah, the women in this film are just, ah, they're incredible. Oh, yeah. The women, you know, Michael B. steals the show. The women steal the show as well. Yeah, They're right. all incredible. His sister, you know, had some of the funniest lines I've ever seen in an MCU movie. And they felt organic. They felt yeah. like her character. You know, she wasn't, like, super serious. So you could totally see, okay, this woman's just cracking jokes. And I forget the general's name, but the general is the Dormelage. Yeah. I believe... Uh, she's from Walking Dead. Yes, yes she is. Yeah, her so name's she... okay, okay, I think, or okay, okay, something like I can't. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, O Y E. However you say that, because <laughs> she actually has that hairstyle in real life. Because she came to the Calgary Comic Expo and she had that, and in Walking Dead she has these long dreads. Right. So like it took me when I saw her at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, I was like, oh, that's not Michonne from Walking Dead, because I thought that was her actual hair. So right. when I saw her in this, and I was like, okay. I've seen her before. Nice. And I got, okay, Hollywood, if you're listening, a billion trillion dollar idea. The Dormelage versus the Amazons. (laughs) Wonder Woman. That's a billion dollar movie idea right there. (laughs) There you go. I think the Dormelage would kiss my ass. Gotta say. Gotta say. So she had some of that heart-shaped herb into them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I agree with you guys. Steal the show. Like, Okay is fantastic. I love Shuri. I didn't expect her. I don't really know. I'm not too familiar with the actress. I didn't expect her to be this young. Yeah. But it's perfect how young she is. It brings a, like a different dynamic into the film and something that it really needed. It needed yeah. a little bit of, of lightheartedness because it deals with a lot of themes and a lot of perspectives that are, are quite heavy, especially when you consider the political atmosphere in the world today. Yeah. And she lightens that all up a bit and she gives us a lot of references to other things. She yeah. refers to the broken white man. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> he brought me another broken white man, which yeah. is a nice Winter Soldier reference. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and Nakia, she, she's also fantastic. And she's one of the ones too that I expected, and this isn't this isn't a nitpick or anything like that, but her reluctance to to stay in Wakanda because she had work to do outside, it, it made me question a little bit why she didn't maybe have a little bit more of a disagreement with T'Challa when Killmonger comes into the film. Uh, you know, we kind of yeah. touched on this a little bit about um, Wakabi as well. Right. But I feel like they could have brought a little bit more of friction between the two of them for a little bit to help T'Chaka eventually come into the realization that he has later on in the film. Now, they eventually do get through that, and he kind of looks at her and says, you know, look, stay. I have something to do. We'll set the stuff up in Oakland. But maybe a little bit more friction throughout the film would have brought T'Challa maybe a little more quickly or a little tiny, tiny bit more organically into this idea of we need to do more. We need to embrace a bit of what Killmonger is talking about, right. but not so much the violent give everyone weapons and have this uprising. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I would have liked to see just a little bit more of that, but all in all, awesome. And the thing that I really like too, when T'Challa goes away, we've got Killmonger taking part of it, but these three women also have a huge part to play in this film in the scenes and this is where i think the film really succeeds is that it gives this really balanced approach to characters it's not like shuri or nakia or anyone are are there as a plot device or as a love interest they yeah. have an importance to the plot have importance to the film and what they do in those in between times when t'challa's gone is they give 
Killmonger the spotlight, but they also give his mom, his sister, and Nakia the spotlight as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have this, they're really the ones that, you know, they go and steal the heart-shaped herb. They yeah. go and find him and take him back. So they're really ones that take the king, T'Challa, on this journey from his lowest low up to now, here you go. Here yeah. it is. Yeah. And I love that. They're the ones that are supporting him and push him back <laughs> into the battle. Yeah, no, it, it's great what they do there. And, I, you know, I like the the approach they, they go with this film by having um, Lapina Nwanga's character already been in a relationship yeah. with uh, T'Challa. That mm-hmm. She's basically like the ex, so they already have history. So it kind of skips the fact that you have to like reintroduce these characters together and have them build a connection. I like that they already had that connection. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, so, so for me, that, that kind of worked. And I, I think it was in the casino scene again where, you know, they kind of make a reference of uh, of doing something. And the general calls him out, like, you know, like, stay focused, you know, yeah. don't, don't get into any kind of trouble. Let's get this mission done. So business first, right? But, um, yeah, I, man, I, I just don't know what more I can say about these <laughs> women. This, like, they were so good. Yeah. So yeah. good. I had no idea they were going to put that much focus on them, and I'm glad they did. Oh, yeah. The yeah. supporting cast in this movie is terrific. Uh, you bring up an interesting point, the casino scene. Let's you, talk about that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about that. Well, why not? You mentioned earlier James Bondsy yeah. feel very Casino Royale feel. Oh yeah, me, right. And you could tell that wasn't by accident. Maybe Ryan Coogler will direct the next James Bond film. Yeah, with yeah. Idris Elba. Yes. Yeah. Yes, do it. <laughs> That's just like you hear that sound. That's every woman. It's every woman in the world just saying yes, please, Idris Elba as James Bond, <laughs> and every man too. <laughs> yeah, I like how smooth he was in the casino scene. He had that James Bond. Um, kind of uh, swagger going on there, right? Yeah, because it's not like he had the costume with him not until later is when he's equipped with the costume, right? Outside of the casino. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of your first big, big fight sequence. We got the ceremonial battles, which is really cool. Yeah. And this is the first big one with everyone fighting here in this introduction of Ulysses Claw again into in a fighting mode, we get his arm, but it's also the introduction of Everett Ross as well in the CIA. So a nice mm-hmm. link to the outside world to Civil War in a bit more detail. Now, the thing I like about this scene is you've already pointed out is the Dormelage. Like, so good. Like, yes. she's the best. Like, kicking some serious. And when she's leaping off oh. of the balcony and that spear. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So <laughs> Yeah. So good. It's like Captain Phasma has uh, some competition with that spear. Oh, definitely. Well, Phasma, <laughs> In general, yeah. I think Phasma just shinked it. <laughs> <laughs> she's. And the, the, I like too when they hammer it down oh, with the yeah. vibranium. Yeah, it's got like this boom, like yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they did that sequence that you like with the music. Yeah, when she she hit it like three times yeah. to the beat, I was like, oh man, you're doing another film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. And then for me, this is when the score kind of changes, and ah, oh, I, I love the music to this film. I, I mm-hmm. gotta go out there and get the get the music for sure. Yeah, and then when we go from this casino battle into this big chase in South Korea, when we've got Shuri that's driving this car, yeah. which is really cool. That's cool, but. What are you guys thinking about this chasing? Now, we're outside of Wakanda, which is cool. I didn't know if we were actually going to go fully outside of Wakanda, but it's cool to go into a bit, a little bit different of an atmosphere, get a bit more of a global vibe to this. Yeah. Um, we get this suit here in action for the first time in a big way. Yeah. Running through the streets here, we've got Claw's arm doing its thing. What do you guys think about this chase sequence? Yeah, it's cool. It's kind of like um like a tutorial. Like if this was a video game, like you got oh, like yeah. yeah, you get like the, like the idea of how things work. So how she's doing like the VR and controlling the car and how um Black Panther's suit operates after she's explained it to him. Now yeah. like it powers up. It was a little busy at some points throughout the whole chase scene, but all in all, I, I really did like it. We got to show off uh, Claw's power a bit more so with um 
with like his claw, yeah, whatever weapon it is. But, <laughs> but it was cool, and I'm glad to see that they did clean up the CGI a lot from this scene from when we first got the first trailer. Mm-hmm. It, it looked a little bad, but it looked a lot better. I, I'm not gonna say this film has the best CG, but um, it, it didn't take anything away from the film when watching it. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, um, I'm really happy that they actually went back to South Korea from Age of Ultron. They went to Busan, and I've actually visited Busan, so I was like, wow. oh, hey, I've been there. Nice, kind of like the same area. So I was like, oh, so. Cool. Bonus points for this movie for going to a place I've been. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, again, not nitpicking here, not trying to, but I, I'm aligned with you a bit there, Troy. The the CGI, the suit. Now you yes. mentioned it before about it looking better in Civil War. Yeah. I fully agree with you there. And I think it's because the Civil War suit, more of it's practical. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would have to say I didn't see any of the behind the set scenes or anything like this for this film, but I would guess that Chadwick Boseman spends a lot of time running around in a green suit or whatever yeah with yeah. the cameras and all yeah. that kind of stuff going on yeah because that even from the trailers i can remember going back and talking about this it never really looked fully done yeah and i think it looks better even when he's fighting towards the end when they have their helmets off yeah like it looks slightly like a video game it takes me out just ever so little and that's just me being a little bit I say I'm not being, but I'm being a little bit nitpicky here. But I'd say the suit in this chase suit, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I love what they do here. There's some great beats, you know, even when he's doing the claws on the the tires and all that when he's on the roof. Some awesome stuff in here. But the CG of the suit, it's it's at its weakest in these moments when it's moving very quickly. Yes. And you see that in the final fight sequence with Killmonger as well when they're both in the suits. Yeah. I, I, I liked the ritual fights more than i did when he was in the suit exactly and that probably isn't the way it should be in this film you should want him to be in the suit but i i have to say like you said sanjay the best fight scenes are either the one with mbaku or the one with the killmonger when they're they're not powered up by the heart-shaped herb and they don't have the suits on yeah like the fight at the the big battle at the end which we'll get into is it's all really good Mm -hmm. but it's not nearly as good as the hand-to-hand and that might be a bit of creed or not Creed, Coogler having that Creed experience fighting or filming the hand-to-hand yeah. and his close-cut scenes and just the way they execute it where you step back into a bit more of the bigger budget CGI I think This thing had a $200 million budget yeah. oh, wow. and a lot of it's in the suits, I yeah. think. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you, especially because I liked what they, the approach they did in Civil War when we first introduced the Black Panther's character, or at least when he's in the costume, he kind of has like that T-1000 chase scene where he's yeah. like just running after the car. Yeah. I wanted that in this that film. That looks better. Yeah. And that looks better, exactly. Um, and I don't know if it's because of the... The, the style that they used for that costume is a little more simple. So maybe, because this one's pretty complex. This yeah, it's suit. got that kinetic yeah. absorbing power and all that, yeah. which is cool. I like when they use it later. Yeah. It, it's a cool like power, but I didn't like the look of it with the purple Same. running through. Yeah. Because Black Panther's supposed to be stealthy and his suit in Civil War was just all black with just the necklace. Yeah. And then this one, you have the purple running through and then Killmonger, I think he had like uh yellow it's yellow, it's yellow, yellow and gold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that i was like i don't know like i've never seen him in the comics but every time i have like i have seen him in the comics every time i have he just had the pure black suit mm-hmm. so i wanted them to stick with that as opposed to the purple like kind of reminded me of the undertaker when he came back in wwf and he had like the purple gloves after <laughs> <laughs> from survivor series you know what i'm talking about yeah I did. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he had to go back to the pure black undertaker yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that. <laughs> but the other thing with the CGI too, and the the Panther suits, with the exception of when he walks out of the crashed spaceship and he doesn't have a helmet on, 
a lot of it's in the dark too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the soul stuff or the South Korea stuff. Yeah. In the dark when they're fighting in the vibranium mines yeah. in the dark as well. So the big airport sequence in Civil War is all in the light. Yeah. Right. And this, it looks great there. I think that's probably why I'm nitpicking this a bit because it looks I've seen it look better before. Exactly. And here it's it and here it's it's I wouldn't say subpar. Like it still looks good. Oh yeah. But it's just not quite there. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say about the the CGI in this. <laughs> it's just not quite there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so one element here that that we've mentioned quite a few times, we talked about it a bit last week, is the heart-shaped herb. And this be comes and plays an important role in this film with regards to the Black Panther power set. Now, we knew he was enhanced, but like you mentioned, Troy, we didn't know if it was a suit or if it was something else. And they go into quite a bit of detail at the start to explain this. And they give it to him, they take it away, and then give it to him, take it away a few times here. But the thing I really like about it is when Michael B., when Killmonger takes it, and then he says, burn it all. Yeah. The reason I like this is because they are thinking ahead. They don't want to have this heart-shaped herb out there in the MCU for people to come and just say, why don't you just give this to everybody in Infinity War yep. and mm. we're cool. <laughs> yeah. This solves a very small problem later on. And it makes both T'Challa and Killmonger important in this film because they're the only ones that have this power set. I really like that. Any takes on that? Yeah, no, I I like that. It's kind of like, um, you know, if you were to have a whole canister full of uh, super soldier serum. Exactly. You, know, yeah. you, you got to get rid of it. I, I still feel like we'll see it somewhere down the line. Probably. It'll probably come back up for, for some purpose. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I do like what they did there. And, and again, you know, Michael B's very fiery at that point. And I love how he um, he acts that whole role out. You know, burn burn it all. All. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> he stands there and watches it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he does after after taking that. And, and Zuri is an important part about the heart-shaped herb and all mm. that. He does kill Zuri. Yeah. Force yeah. Whitaker. Did that shock you guys? Um, No, no, not, not too much. I, I kind of saw him... I don't want to say I saw his death, but I, I kind of felt like after he revealed mm-hmm. what the father did... Right to uh, to his brother, I was kind of like, I don't really see his story going any further. At least we don't need any more of this character, whether they kill him or not. So it, it worked for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it tied a, a nice, relative loose end up with him saying, "Look, I was there. I was the reason that your father died. Exactly because I was. We well, didn't explain it, but he was essentially the spy that was sent to spy on the spy. <laughs> a little complex there, but I, I think it was an appropriate move. And again. It brought stakes to Killmonger and the situation that they're in. He goes and pulls and kills this guy, showing that he's willing to do this. Yeah, he, he has no problem killing people. Yeah. it's clear. And then he's choking out that that one woman too. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I thought he was gonna kill her too. I was like, nothing's stopping this guy. No, right? no. Yeah. he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. And the heart shaped herb also served another purpose because it took us to the, a different plane of existence where you can go and visit previous Black Panthers. Now, this is something that's pulled in from the comics. And I referred to something called Necropolis, which is the city of the dead. They didn't really quite go there, but it, it was a cool way, I think, to to bring back in the actor from Civil War to T'Chaka yeah. mm-hmm. and for him to interact a bit more. I like towards the end when they all showed up, all the different Black Panthers. Yeah. It's a cool scene. I like the purple hue they had in it the was. background. Killmonger goes into a very similar scene where he can talk a bit with his father and that. So I liked how they were able to, again, build some backstory and introduce some elements or some more, I wouldn't say, I'm going to say mystical elements to the Black Panther universe 
without being too on the nose and taking up too much time. It was kind of a unique and organic way to bring some of those elements into the lore of Black Panther. Well, yeah, because they refer to it as the astral plane, don't they? Which is a Doctor Strange reference. Oh, yeah. Do they actually say call that out? I'd yeah, I think that. they say it two times there, that okay. astral plane. So I was like, oh, shoot, that's that's our Doctor Re- doctor reference. That's our Doctor <laughs> Strange reference there. Cool. So, so thought, maybe he could so go that's to pretty it? cool. Possibly. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe Infinity gets... Warrior. Maybe. maybe that's how they bring back Killmonger. He goes oh. to the astral plane. Pulls him. Pulls him, because they need him. Whoa. Whoa. Listening, I'm, Disney. I'm, I'm going to solve it. I will support anything that organically brings Michael Bay back. <laughs> Even if you want to call him the Human Torch, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good Human Torch. They should recast him once they get the Fantastic Four back as Human Torch again. But let's just ignore the fact that he's one of the best villains ever. Yeah. And we'll just recast him here. <laughs> um, now, when... T'Challa's taken out of, we've already kind of covered this, but when he's taken out of the picture here, we spend a bit of time with the Jabari tribe. The thing I like about this character, not only is he a bit of a comedic take, but he also represents a slightly different end of thing. He's the isolationist within the isolation country, isolationist country, right? M'Baku, great character, love the actor, and I love where they went with him. Like it was, to me, it was a bit unexpected because I was, I was, Sitting there thinking, okay, he's going to go with them down. He's going to fight. He shows a bit of reluctance, but at the end of the day, he's going to be fine with things. But how they set things up a little earlier on in the film with what you mentioned, Sanjay, with him tapping out and T'Challa showing him a bit of kind of the side or the king that he's going to be and giving a bit of mercy towards him. The fact that they set that up so early on and I thought, okay, this is a bit of a scene that was more for T'Challa, but it was for M'Baku. Mm-hmm. And did you guys like how he came back into this and how important he turned out being in this film as far as saving T'Challa? Yeah. Yeah, I really love what they did because I felt like it's kind of unpredictable. Like I thought it was totally going to go one way and it went another way I never saw it going. So I thought all in all this character was great. I don't know too much about Man-Ape in the comics except he has a, a kind of silly outlandish costume yeah. <laughs> the, the so i'm glad they, they stayed away from that who knows maybe he'll come back well, he's definitely coming back in this film but who knows if he'll bring back that rivalry and yeah. maybe he will verse uh t'challa i'm not too sure but all in all I, I i love what this character did i feel like this movie did such a good job with all their characters giving you just enough development of where they're coming from and where their stances are that you can kind of back up everybody from where they see things right yeah and him yeah. showing up at the end too made sense yes yeah like to me it kind of they, they see it enough that he didn't come out of nowhere. It wasn't like, okay, this is a bit not as believable as everything else was because they, they kind of give that it was life for life. They kind yeah. of go through that in the end when he invites him back into the fold, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, we're good. We're cool. Don't worry about it. Um, if talking, speaking about the comics, man, he does have a power set, but I think it's from apples. Oh. It's the apples in Wakanda also get embedded the same way the heart-shaped herb does with the vibranium. Oh. So I think that's where he gets his, I think, Cool. Where he gets his powers from. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we got a big battle to discuss here. <laughs> it's kind of multi-leveled here. We've got the big Killmonger versus Black Panther fight, but we've also got in the background the Dora Milaje versus Wakabi's tribe. I really like this Dora Milaje versus Wakabi tribe. One, because it was awesome. And two, it makes me really look forward to what we're going to get in Infinity War. Yeah. yeah. With all of them running towards the Outriders. Oh, yeah. Like, let's talk about this this big final action sequence. Not so much the Killmonger versus T'Challa, but this big action sequence of Thor Milaje. 
We get Shuri in on the action here, and Akia gets her Dormelage armor and all that in there. So what did you guys think about all that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. It had a bit of uh, the Naboo look, you know, from, uh, from back to It's far better, obviously, and less annoying Roger Rogers across the board. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it was cool. You know what? I didn't really care for Ross in yeah, the virtual the plane because uh, plane, they, they mentioned the whole, oh, you were a pilot back in your day. And it's like, okay, so, you know, some foreshadowing into making him useful at this point. Not saying that he wasn't useful throughout the film, but just for this point in particular, I kind of could have done without. Um, I thought the virtual... The VR stuff was necessary for the car scene, just not so much for the jet. Um, the overall battle, though, between everybody was was pretty cool, pretty decent. Not the like the best, kind of forgettable. I lean a little bit more towards the the Killmonger and the T'Challa yeah. fight between those two as opposed to the whole all-out war. But uh, the Rhinos looked pretty cool. Actually, yeah. Going to, back to the CG, I think they actually looked some of the best. They took the best advantage of the CG use, I'd say. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, the one nitpick I would have, like, I really liked the battle and seeing them fight in the hand-to-hand combat was awesome. Uh, a little nitpick was, so they have the ships flying off to go around the world and uh, distribute Wakandian technology and whatnot. And then you had Kachala, Black Panther, telling him to, like, shoot it down. But earlier in the film, he was so careful not to take a life of a fellow Wakandian. So it felt a little strange that he was just willy-nilly, like, kill those guys, kill those guys. I, I don't know. That was kind of like off for me. I, I was just like, I don't know if he would, if he would do that or if he would find like another way. Was but there he, people in those or were they drones? There must've been people in them cause they were like flying them. Right. Okay. I, part of me thought, yeah, you're right. I guess. Cause he takes one out when he enters the battle, right? Yeah. yeah. Like right at the beginning. And I'm yeah. like, Whoa, he just killed like two people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I didn't really, I didn't notice it. I, I guess it wouldn't bother me too much. I know what you're saying because he doesn't want to kill any of his people, but I think in these circumstances, cause it's, all out war, yeah. and he doesn't have that that code of honor, or code of uh, honor like a, like a Batman or, or Spider Man. That he's the king, so if he has to kill some of these guys, he, he's gonna off go with their heads. Off. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a greater greater good discussion, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like two for like kill those two people, or have the embedded people get the weapons, distribute them. Then you have you know more chaos on your yeah. hands. So I think that was that was believable. I do kind of get what you're saying that. It's about preserving Wakandan life. But again, he's starting to step away from that a bit, right? It's, it comes down to preserving life in general. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you get in this scene too. You get the general standing up. Wakanda forever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so good. I, I really enjoyed this battle, actually. I had a lot of fun with it. I liked when T'Challa's in there battling all of them and he uses that kinetic suit and does the big kind of superhero pose. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Before nice. he gets to Killmonger. Killmonger has a few times when he's fighting Shuri and all that and, and Akia that are really good. So you get a lot of really good small fight sequences in this. It doesn't, it's not grand, right? You get, you get a sense that it's bigger. Yeah. But you're talking about a couple of tribes fighting and the big thing, like you said, is the T'Challa versus Killmonger fight. Right. So, Quite heavy CGI. I liked how they foreshadowed this Sonic thing about the the suits and all that, and they kind of fight down in the vibranium mines. Really cool. The CGI, it's 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 good, but yeah. it's not great. Right. But the overall implications and the overall fight itself, I think between both of them is really really good. Yeah. Right? Um. It's you know I kind of got a. It's kind of reminiscent of uh, Spider-Man Three when Spider-Man's oh, fighting. Yeah. I think it's Spider-Man Three. Yeah. When he's fighting Venom. And, you know, they're falling down the huge building and they're going at it. It's, they kind of did that exact yeah. same scene here with a little bit better CGI, <laughs> obviously, which is great. But, um, you know, we, we already went over it. But the best thing for me in this battle is the end sequence, obviously, between T'Challa and Killmonger when they have that moment. That, for me, <clears throat> just solidified everything, how, how I felt about this film. Yeah. 
You good? <laughs> yeah, I have, sorry, I have to leave that. Uh, that's all. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. So all in all, with this film, as we kind of wrap this thing up, it it seemed to hit every single main point you need for a comic book film, but also it's a very different type of comic book film. You know, there's there's a big message in here. There's a big theme about isolationists, about racism, even and all that. And none of it is overwhelming or so on the nose that you kind of, I'm not saying that you'd ever roll your eyes at a movie that deals with racism in any sort of way, but it's very well done, very organically done and very well written. I think that is a testament to Ryan Kruger. So I have to give a big shout out to him for being able to bet of a lot of these main themes and, and having a, a stance or a message within the movie while also telling a really good and engaging story. So I absolutely love everything that they did here. A few nitpicks throughout this, but overall, I think we can agree this is a pretty fantastic film. Oh, absolutely. This this film just knocked it out of the park for me. And I got to give a big shout out to uh, Wakanda as a whole, because I think people now are going to take a lot more from Wakanda when they hear that, much like you do with Gotham. I feel like in mm-hmm. this world of comic books, whether it's Marvel or DC, when you hear Gotham, you think of that being its own character, you know, known for corruption, dark. It's like Chicago and New York all in one. Then you hear Wakanda now, and you 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 get it. After seeing this film, that's Wakanda. It's very futuristic. It's it's high tech. It's advanced. It has all these this cool mismatch of like the huts, but it's also a futuristic tall building at the same time. Yeah, you know. So I I feel like Wakanda and Gotham are on this level of now that is just going to be so well known going into the future. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I never even thought of that. I'm looking for them in the Winter Olympics now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it should be. Someone's got to create Wakanda. Yeah. <laughs> Wakanda forever. <laughs> now I'm going to bring a, a separate voice back to the table here because we've kind of got through uh, all the main plot points here, the characters and all. I hope we didn't miss anything. I've only seen the movie once, so yeah. <laughs> there, there's going to be elements that we're going to probably have to come back to at some point. But the listener here, knee. I'm really sorry if I'm messing your name up there, but let's bring a fourth voice to the table here. We talked about the fight scenes and he said he felt leaving with more funny highlights than fight scenes. What do you guys take on that? Yeah. Well, we kind of already went through it, but <laughs> well, Neith, first off, uh, thank you so much for writing us a question or for writing us a review. I really appreciate that. Um, that's awesome that you're engaging with us. So really, really hats off to you. Keep doing that um, for the next film and whatever other films we do. Um, you know, as I said, film is subjective. So, you know, if I may not agree with it, it doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. Um, it's just, you know, we all have our own different takes on different movies and just whatever, sometimes it hits us in a different way. And, you know, if this one didn't really hit for you in terms of the humor, you got Infinity War coming out. So hopefully that'll hit for you next time. Uh, unfortunately, you know, to me, I've been a very big, uh, proponent against the humor in the MCU but for me, this one actually felt a little bit more organic. So um, do you have, you know, if you're listening to this, maybe if you had some specific points that you could, you know, shout out or remember, that'd be great. Because to me, I actually thought the humor was more on point in this one because it was, in my opinion, a little bit more organic than a Thor or a Thor the Dark World or <laughs> uh, Incredible Hulk. Iron Man 3. I, yeah, that. Iron Man 3. Like sometimes, you know, it seems like they really dialed it back and, because they did that, the humor was more effective as opposed to every two minutes they're like, oh, we haven't thrown in a one-liner yet. Okay, quick, Pepper Potts, say something. Iron Man, say something funny. Yeah. And then you just kind of gets drowned out. But this one here, they kept the lines 
to the correct people and at the correct times. I yeah, think. they didn't yeah. undercut any of the ritual battles with humor, yeah. which is something they could have yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and even when the sister kind of raised her hand a bit and she's like, yeah. this mask is uncomfortable, yeah. I yeah. thought that worked because it seems like it stayed true to the, the characters they've established. Yeah. yeah, I would have taken more disinterest if T'Challa started making some big time jokes then yeah. that would have yeah. felt a little weird for me you know because it just he's just not like that in the comics and he, he wasn't like that in Civil War so no. if he started coming out with a whole bunch of jokes then that would have been weird but from everybody they, from every character they established it just it worked for yeah. me you know but, but like you mentioned you know all films subjective and some people laughed at Last Jedi I didn't but that's nothing mm. to take away from people's humor it's just no. some people get that and some people don't you know yeah. what I mean and, yeah. and same with action sequences so um, thanks for interacting with us though man like much appreciated yeah. and uh, we look forward to hearing from you and anybody else out there that's listening yeah I've got one other part here I'm going to read he's got a few other things that we, we touched on some of the music he, he really liked the Kendrick stuff but he wanted to a bit more of the African theme to it he calls right. it you know a bit more of synthetic drums which I can really align with on there yeah. you know seeing a bit more of that wound into it here and neat I want to point out here too again like the guy said thank you very much and this is something that we want to encourage a bit more dialogue amongst these things so like the guy said we're going to have different opinions and all that but we like hearing this because it's it's not always that you know we get that third fourth fifth opinion on these things for the review actually so it's nice to hear and I'm just going to read through one of the other points he pulls in here and this is about the plot this is coming directly from his email there's no build up to eric's character we want to know how he nursed all that anger and killed so many peeps yet all we get to see is him as a small boy i understand that his fury and intentions because i feel he's because i feel he was correctly motivated t'challa is portrayed as a weak and tactically inept in the movie sometimes that i least expected for an african superhero all of your life you've been training for a kingship, yet he has to come back several times in the periods where this character is shown. Here lies in technology and a potion to gain his powers. All around, the movie tails off and, you know, will Killmonger come back? Will Kabi, you know, his tribesmates, will they come back? Will they leave Wakanda and try to continue with Killmonger's ideologies? It allows for a part two here. So... We've gone through a lot of this already and I'm hoping that we can at least have a bit more dialogue with you in regards to answering some of the questions you have there. We kind of walked through the plot in a bit more detail. We thought that Killmonger was one of the most well-motivated villains in the MCU history, if not the best. Yeah. Yeah. I have to see it a couple more times to get on that. But I do agree with you here about T'Challa sometimes feeling a bit weaker than maybe he should have. He gets beat down quite quickly without the Black Panther serum by... Mubaku, yeah, and he also struggles quite heavily with Killmonger, which I think is appropriate for building up Killmonger. But you do sacrifice a bit of T'Challa. What are you guys' thoughts on that point there? Yeah, it's it's funny because it's a bit of the uh, Man of Steel syndrome. He's only really been Black Panther for so long. Like mm-hmm. I don't even think even months. I mean, the, the, yeah, I guess this takes place pretty much a little bit after, like a week, yeah, right yeah. A- after Civil War. But on the flip side, if you look at him in Civil War, he's going toe-to-toe with every superhero over there. Yeah, right. right? But he's got that serum in him. He has that serum in him. So it's a little different. But even when he has a suit, he's still, or even when he's taking the serum, he's, his, his, his power level is, is vastly different than yeah. what it is in Civil War. So I do hear what he's saying there. There, there is some weird kind of tweaks that, that do need to be made. But if you go back to, like I said, the, the Man of Steel effect, it's like he's he hasn't been king very long. He hasn't had these powers mm-hmm. very long. So he's still adapting. And I think... This movie was less about him being the awful, the, the also mighty powerful 
Black Panther and more so being the king that he needs to be. Yeah. That Wakanda Learning. needs. Exactly. Evolving, right? yeah. So um, we'll, we'll see where they pick off in, uh, in number two. And we'll see what he does in Infinity Works. I'm pretty sure he's going he's gonna to be a heavy hitter in, in, uh, in Secret Wars or, or Infinity Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And before yeah. we get to our ratings, he did give it an 8.8 .8 out of 10. Nice. Wow. Nice. So really like the film. Just shy of a 9. Yeah. So again, really appreciate your feedback there. And we're going to get into a bit more discussion here. So if you want to throw some more questions to us for episode 109 and that as we continue the dialogue on Black Panther, please do so. So guys, to wrap this all up, there's a few things that we need to discuss. There was an after credit scene. We already mentioned it with Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier mm -hmm. in there. I really liked that. We were predicting a bit more on maybe a reference towards Cap. Yeah. Didn't yeah. quite get that. We also discussed about the potential for an Infinity Stone. Now, there was no Infinity Stone in this. I was waiting for it. And again, this comes down to my own fault for expecting <laughs> something. And so it's, it has nothing to do with anything with the writing or anything like that. But I was slightly disappointed we didn't get at least a nod towards an Infinity Stone. They seem to heavily imply that all the powers and everything within Wakanda is purely because of the Vibranium, not an Infinity Stone. I know, Sanjay, you're happy probably that they didn't bring that element into it. <laughs> yeah. So what are your thoughts on the fact that we didn't get an Infinity Stone mentioned now in the last two films before Infinity War and we're still short that soul stone we thought it was going to be in ragnarok or at least i did yeah. and then i said no it's going to be in black panther <laughs> it wasn't in black panther either where's that infinity stone and were you disappointed that it wasn't in this film yeah um no i wasn't i was actually happy that it wasn't what <laughs> maybe i was one of the few you have infinity war that's going to be what a three three and a half hour movie there's oh. a part two coming <laughs> out right like make it like an ultimate edition where it's four and a half hours or something leave it for that let Black Panther, this is his first film. It's not like Thor, where it's the third film in the trilogy, where you could put it in, or maybe even Guardians. This is the first Black Panther movie we're getting. Uh, much like Wonder Woman, it was the first Wonder Woman movie we're getting, and there was no real connectivity to the rest of the DCEU. I always have to get that in there in our reviews. <laughs> so I like that they did it uh, this yeah, way. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with you. You know, before going into this movie, because I didn't know what to expect, so I was thinking it's going to kind of follow the similar lines of the other past films. And they're going to give us some kind of inkling towards Infinity War, but going into this film and actually experiencing it, it just stands so well on its own that it's like it didn't need. Mm -hmm. It didn't need that. I'm, I'm kind of glad they didn't throw in the the, uh, the Soul Gem. So I, I like the choice of what they've done. We'll obviously see it now in uh, Infinity War. We'll see what they do. Because, yeah, like you mentioned, it's going to be like a big three-hour movie, just a juggernaut <laughs> fest. So that's going to be pretty cool. But all in all, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they didn't. We, we were kind of talking back and forth uh, last episode about what they're going to do with cameos. And yeah. it's kind of, I think we mentioned there was going to be like a mention and they, and they, yeah. they did mention. We said Bucky. Bucky was going to be in it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're kind of on there, you know, we yeah. kind of walked that line, but um, yeah, I, I'm glad they, they stayed away from the Finney stone. Cause I think it was already a little cosmic enough by introducing the vibranium aspect. Yeah. So then if you threw in the soul gem, I think a lot of that audience that it grabbed would have been a little confused because they mm -hmm. also grabbed a lot of people that don't go to these movies. Mm -hmm. So if he threw that in there, they might have been a little like, what's this element? Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing that an Infinity Stone could have done, now, personally, I, I, I don't, there's no place for it in the film, I agree. Mm -hmm. But I like the idea of stringing that continuity and the Infinity Gems and all that through there. So that, that's, that's my own thing. But the one thing it could have done is it could have made a MacGuffin out of it. And then all of a sudden Killmonger's or someone's chasing an Infinity Stone for some mystical power to do something. It takes a, a, the whole foundation out of this movie mm -hmm. if you have a MacGuffin. There's no MacGuffin in this, right? Yeah. There's no nothing that they're chasing. Nope. There's an ideology yeah. that it, that's in there that they're 
they're somewhat chasing or trying to enforce, I would say, maybe. So much from Killmonger's side of things. So it's not that they're going after the vibranium even, right? It's a plot element, but it's not something that Killmonger's out there, I want the vibranium to do X. He's just sending yeah. the weapons, right? Right. And an Infinity Stone would have changed that dynamic and would have made it feel much more like a MacGuffin-driven Thor the Dark World type type thing right, right. Yeah. where you're chasing some spurious element that does x thing to move the plot from a to b you don't want that in this film and not having an infinity stone helps you avoid that that's true so yeah. all in all i think it's good that they didn't include it i would have maybe liked a little bit of reference but again that's nothing on kugler or the crew it's just my want for <laughs> infinity ward to be here with all of this because yeah. we know how important wakanda is going to be for that what sure. could have been a cool tie-in is if like they had a post-credit scene where they had uh, his sister, who's like the head of the science and technology, looking through like a like, was a paris not a periscope but the telescope yeah a telescope <laughs> and looking it's late <laughs> it's late <laughs> looking into the stars and she sees like a ship or something and then that and then it ends and you're like yeah. oh shit like, well and that's why I put a little bit on that scene when we talked about the start about what it exactly means. I know what it means in the film about yeah. Wakanda coming out, but I was thinking, uh, maybe, it, maybe it means something bigger is going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And they're kind of laughing like, what can you give us? We have all the military in the world and you're saying you, you can offer something. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was my, you know, long grasp at. <laughs> you never know. Or. It could still be true. I don't think so. I think you guys are right. And that it actually, <laughs> actually doesn't mean that it means what we think it does. <laughs> the one thing they threw me in the loop for is, um, it was the last post-credit scene when the kids are playing with somebody and their eyes are opening. And I was like, oh, wait, is this Killmonger? Is he about to come back and oh. they resurrect him? That was honestly my first intentions. Um, and then it's like, okay, cool. We got we got Bucky. Yeah. The white wolf. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah right? Because so I, I was like, whoa, cool. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. It was cool. Can't wait to get his vibrating yeah. 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 And his mind's all clear now. Yeah. His head's focused. How do you feel? Good. Yeah. All man bunned up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think someone from the 1940s or 30s would have a man bun? I don't know. <laughs> he spent a lot of time in modern day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right, guys. God. We're going to wrap this up. I will say one thing. We're putting together a new podcast called Detours. There's a part before this that I've had to cut. <laughs> One day we'll describe it and explain it. Once we've had a couple drinks. Yes, this, this goes on the explicit detour. So Nerd Room Detours is coming very soon. I'm going to put an announcement out on the Star Wars Commonwealth website when we're planning to drop that. That's going to be a bit more of our, our candid, maybe a few drinks into us, <laughs> odd discussions that we're not having here on the main podcast so that it is marked properly for the type of content that will be on it. But to wrap this up, guys, I've said that three times already, but this is the final time we are wrapping up. Do you recommend... Black Panther. Absolutely. Go out there and see this film. Go out there and support it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go see it again probably this week, probably this Thursday. You can catch me at some movie theater in town. I'm <laughs> um, definitely checking this film. It's uh it's up there, man. It's I'm giving it a nine point five right now. I'm feeling wow. really good about this film. I, I loved it. Like the nitpicks I had I don't. I won't say I was fishing for them, but they're they're minor, you and know. Yeah, we're Some, reviewers. We have to. We have to, right? Yeah. I don't feel like any film is really perfect. Um, this is near perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the CG was a little whatever, and the motivation or the motives between one character uh, was it Waki? No, it's not Waki. Wakabi. Wakabi. <laughs> Uh, Wakabi was a little little off for me, but other than that, I love this film. I can't wait to see more. I can't wait to get back into this world of Wakanda, Infinity War, and on his standalone films. Uh, everybody acted their asses off. This is just an all-around great time at the theater. And when I left, I was so happy and so just pleasant, pleasantly surprised of what I just encountered. So this is great. 
Yeah, I'm the opposite. Don't see this because <laughs> Troy has this in our box office fantasy, and I'm way behind now. I've never been 200 million okay. behind in anything before. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, don't don't support this. You know, save your money for Solo and Venom and all my movies. No, I'm just kidding. Absolutely, this is. I think I tweeted out that this is my favorite uh, Phase Three film, and I was at the time I was like, is this my favorite MCU film? I'm gonna say yes. Uh, this is my favorite MCU nice. film of all time. I loved it. Sorry, do you have a top three? Can I just get your top a- three? MCU? Ones? Yeah. Uh, okay, probably two would be Winter Soldier. Okay. Uh, three, uh, at the top of my head, would probably be either Iron Man or Guardians or Avengers 1. It's like a top five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just put me on the spot. If, if I know, it's tough. If it's we're tough. talking it's top, fluid list. <laughs> top three Marvel movies mm-hmm. of all time, it would probably be like Spider-Man 2 and Logan and then this. Okay. Cool. So it's up there. Nice. Such a good film. I love this. Uh, it's a cinematic experience that you have to see in theaters. I saw it in IMAX. Yes. And it was the scenery is beautiful. Uh, it's kind of like, as you said, Wakanda is a character uh, in itself. The All the other actors are amazing in it. Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Ryan Coogler. This is the only movie of Coogler's that I've seen. So now I want to run home and watch Creed. Oh, and- yeah. <laughs> watch Fruville, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's your question, it, it's, it's a very... Um, it's a movie you have to watch it with a particular mindset. Mm-hmm. Because it's quite heavy yeah. at times. Yeah. Um, so don't go don't go in expecting a light film. Yeah. But it's a very well done film. And again, it, it's it has a big message in it. Yeah. And it's it's really well done. And, and it has Chad Michael Murray in it from One Tree Hill. So Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> the, yeah, that's your <laughs> that's the hook yeah. for that film. A show that came out like twenty years ago on the CW network. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this movie's amazing. Uh, I give it probably like a what did you give it? Nine point five. Nine point five for me. Okay, I'm gonna say nine point six. So that means wow. I like, no, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> one percentage point. More. Yeah, <laughs> I'd probably give this like a nine out of ten. This is an amazing film. Nice. I, I love this film. Nice. It might be the only. F- I haven't seen an MCU film twice in theaters. This may be the first one. Oh, okay. Here we go. There yeah. you go. Nice. Yeah, I have to agree with you guys. Full recommend from me as well. This sits near the top of my list. I, it's very hard right now. It's definitely one of the best solo origin films. Yeah. If not the best, it's up there yeah. with Iron Man. I pro- I don't know. I don't want to say it out loud, but I think it probably did like this better than than Iron Man, yeah. at, at least. Uh, Winter Soldier still, for me, I think I like Winter Soldier more than this, yeah. but Cap's my boy. Yeah. But it's it's not to say that this film is it's on hot in its heels. It's up there with Avengers. It's up there with... I really like Thor Ragnarok, too. So it's very different than Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah. But all in all, yeah, this is a full recommend. Everything that we've said through here, from the acting through the main themes to Kugler as a director, everything is fantastic. And I have to give another shout out to the woman of Wakanda. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The acting's great. The characters, the amount of time that they get, the evolution and development in here. Everyone is served perfectly in this film. I could not ask for a more well-developed film when you're talking from a character, a landscape themes plot everything in here the whole narrative the whole scope of the film is executed brilliantly get out there and see this thing yeah and again thank you knee for writing in yes. your review yeah man much appreciated yeah. always if anyone's got anything else to say about this film or disagree with us or agree with us you can always email us at the at gmail.com you can hit us up on youtube or facebook you can always grab us at the nerdroom.net like needed contacts fill it in there and we'll get it sent to the email here. And you can always, always grab us on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. And like we said 
earlier on. Next week, we will be back discussing New York Toy Fair and all the reveals we've gotten over the last couple weeks with regards to Solo and action figures. Man, they just threw everything at us. I cannot wait. My wallet is looking (laughs) already thin. It's going to get thinner (laughs) in the next coming few months with Infinity War, Solo, and everything else they got dropping here. We saw Ant-Man and the Wasp figures and that. Ooh. as well so that's I, the movie you want to support ant-man and the wasp that's on your list <laughs> that's, two. A, that's that's on my Man, no, that's get, the one i have in oh. the box office i'm gonna get crushed this year <laughs> <laughs> anyways it's been an absolute pleasure gentlemen discussing black panther i can't wait to see this a second time in theaters and make sure you guys go out and see this all right until next week for the nerd room i'm tim i'm troy and i'm sanjay and thank you for entering the nerd room This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.